Hello, and welcome to Listed, a Forbes podcast about people, money, and power. I'm your co-host, Abe Brown. And I'm the other co-host, Maggie McGrath. And today we have a very special guest star. It's our editor-in-chief, C. Forbes. Welcome to this special mini-sode of Listed. Ooh, a mini-sode. It's also a crossover episode. Twains are meeting. Planets are colliding. As you all know, on Listed, we bring you reporters and editors who have the best insights on the rich and powerful people they have interviewed over the years, the insights that those people would never tell you themselves. On Steve's podcast, What's Ahead with Steve Forbes, he sits down with influential people themselves, and he gets them to open up. From every major industry, media, entertainment, makeup, he talks to everyone to see what they are doing, how they are changing the world through business. We have invited Steve to sit down with us and share his wisdom, and also to prove that millennials and boomers really can get along. Before we get into our conversation with Steve, Maggie, I have a question for you. I want you to pitch me in an ideal world. What is another crossover episode you'd like to see out there? I've been giving this a lot of thought. I know. You've been texting me about it, so I'm very very excited to hear the answer. I've been workshopping it with my best friend from high school, Meg. Uh, She approved this idea. Okay. I'm going back in time to 2003, 2004. WB, UPN, these are two of my favorite shows. Okay. I would like to see a crossover episode or series even with Veronica Mars and Gilmore Girls. I want to send Ms. Mars to Stars Hollow to investigate something that goes wrong. Rory could write about it in the paper. Lorelai could be a key interview source. Logan from Veronica Mars could travel with them because he doesn't want to leave Veronica's side. He could get into fisticuffs with Jess Mariano. Fisticuffs? Who talks like this? The writers Gilmore of Gilmore Girls. Girls. No, the, the writers of Gilmore no, Girls. They are th- no. How dare you? Amy Sherman Palladino would not use a word like fisticuffs. I believe it's in an episode title. You can fact check me on that. (laughs) And my favorite two characters I want to see interact are Emily Gilmore and Keith Mars. I feel like fireworks would happen. I'm sure there are fanfics about this, but if anyone's listening and wants to create a special crossover movie, Netflix special, please take my idea. I won't even charge you for it. I just want to see it. All right. I have a crossover pitch for you, too. Uh, now I could have gone, I, I, I had a lot of different ideas. I left them on the cutting room floor, tried to think of something that you and I would both enjoy. And you're going to laugh. I'm pitching you a crossover between I Love Lucy and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh. It's the same time period. You have two strong female leads. I would love to see Lucille Ball, uh, work a little bluer. I would, I, I just think, I would think the two performers in 1950s, New York, the stunned look on your face suggests that I'm onto something and I should pitch this myself to Hollywood. I'm out of here. My California dreams, just like the Ricardos themselves driving across America, my time has come. I love this. I, I also, love this. yes, I also love that we both went with Amy, Amy Sherman, Sherman Palladino. Palladino. Yep. Amy Sherman Palladino is actually someone who I would love to sit down and interview. Can you imagine? That'd be a lot of fun. I might die of excitement if she were in the studio. I just want to know where she gets her hat. Hats? Hats. There hats? are multiple hats. Multiple hats. You know, But you know who would probably have great tips for sitting down and talking to Ms. Palladino? I think I know where you're going with this. He practically needs no introduction. I mean, his name is on the door. It's our editor-in-chief, Steve Forbes. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good. How about you? 
Doing great. Thanks Thank for you. joining us on Listed. If you could pick any list to go on, which one would it be? Top earning DJs? I am realized long ago that is not my thing. I'll, <laughs> I'll let others provide the music. I'll listen to it. <laughs> well, in terms of uh, asking about the uh, list, uh, it would be nice. I've always had the fantasy of owning a baseball team. Okay. So, so if I owned uh, the New York Yankees, that would be splendid. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So, Steve, uh, you have spent a very long career talking to the world's rich and famous and the powerful. How do you prep before talking to these people? You do it like you would a final exam. You examine uh, most pieces about them, interviews they've given, books they might have written, interviews online. And then you figure out what is the theme that you're going for, what are you uh, looking for, what do you hope to get from it. And then you recognize as soon as the interview begins, it'll take a course of its own. And if you've uh, prepped it right, you can go from subject to subject or uh, go off course that you had planned. But as Margaret Thatcher said, if you know your brief, uh, you can easily do that. I got to interview her back in the mid-'80s when she was prime minister. And if you wanted an argument, she was quite willing to weigh in. Uh, handlers could not control her. Really? So she was a she was a good interview because she was candid. She would uh, take you on. She wasn't trying to uh, either insult you. She wasn't uh, trying to uh, comfort you. You wanted a conversation, you'd have it. You wanted a debate, you had it. She uh, also, uh, most of the time, loved to be direct, which was a... Uh, Source of power. Have you did you ever have you ever had an interview in which you felt overmatched by the other person on the other end? At the beginning of my career, yes, because they knew more than I did, <laughs> and that's how you uh, painfully learn. <laughs> and uh, and many of these people, you hope they know more than you. You're talking to a physician. I talked to Doctor Oz the other day, and uh, heart surgeon, noted heart surgeon, also a big TV personality but I hope he knows more about medicine than I do. So uh, so you shouldn't go into an interview being inhibited by the fact that the person on the other end knows more than you. What you're going in for, unless you're playing the gotcha game, is uh, you're trying to get information from them or insights from them that people might be interested in. Steve, one of the interviews you've done over the years that I still remember, it stands out in my mind as being one of the most memorable, is your interview with Kim Kardashian at the Women's Summit a few years ago. Um, I'd love to talk to you about how you prepared for that because it was clear on stage you had watched Bravo, you had read about the Armenian genocide. So take us into that preparation that you did to talk to Kim K. Well, when you go out of your comfort zone, when you're going in a subject area that you're not uh, necessarily familiar with. Are you saying you're not a avid Bravo watcher? I watch everything. Uh, <laughs> that's part of the problem. But uh, you don't go into an interview like that expecting to discuss what the Federal Reserve is going to do at its next open market uh, committee meeting. But, uh, but uh, so when you go uh, prep for an interview like that, uh, one, you better find out something about the subject. And one of the things you try to avoid is then pursuing the same path that everyone else has pursued and to try to find an angle that people would find, oh, I learned something from this. I think what they got out of that interview, especially given her reputation, was that she and her family were one smart set of entrepreneurs. 
They're very aware of how do you keep an audience with you? How do you keep your followers with you? How do you keep uh, the content fresh? Never take it for granted. So often you see in entertainment, if you've achieved a certain level of success, you ride it too long. You don't keep it refreshed. And the other thing is when you get kicked down, which is inevitable, how do you have the power to get back up? Because there are always going to be dry periods. Another major part of an interview is, of course, establishing some kind of rapport, some kind of comfortability with your subject. How do you put someone at ease when you're talking to them? You uh, talk about something that uh, they might be interested in. Uh, what what uh, what did you go through in well, the case of Oz? I keep referring to him because I just did a podcast with him. But uh, he related the story about how he decided to become a physician. His father was a noted uh, heart surgeon. And at the age of seven, they were standing in line for ice cream or something. And uh, his father asked the kid in front of him, 10-year-old, what do you want to do when you grow up? Kid said, I don't know. I'm only 10. (laughs) And uh, Oz's father turned to Oz and said, never give an answer like that. Always say what you're going to do. You can change. 50 times a day, but have a goal. Don't be aimless. Even if you keep changing it, don't be aimless. So the seven-year-old, looking at his father, said, I'll be a doctor. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> should, we, uh, should we move on to segments? I think so. We have segments that we brainstormed just for this special crossover episode. I want to start with the Moby Dick Prize. Who is the one that got away? The person that you never got to interview but have always wanted to and still possibly could someday. Well, can't do this one unless you uh, believe in the afterlife. But uh, I've got a Ouija board. You want to try? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see if you can deliver. Make news. But uh, would it have been Steve Jobs. We never uh... got on the right wavelength with Steve Jobs. And uh, for a variety of reasons, never worked out. And uh, even though, you know, this is one of the things you have to recognize about human nature. You take somebody like Jobs, if you took away his name and gave his personality traits to human resources department, they'd say, get rid of this person. Don't want to see him because he had all the attributes you don't want. Putting people down, stealing ideas, impossible to work with. And he gets fired from his own company before the age of 30. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and uh, but the thing is, he painfully learned how to be an effective leader. I think you could have a really interesting discussion with Steve Jobs and hit on all of those points. But if you could ask one question, what would that one question be? Uh, when did he realize that he had to change, even if he never told anyone? When did he recognize After the pain of getting booted out, did he realize, even if he could barely admit it to himself, that I got to do things differently? I'd like to hear that answer. What's yours, Max? I I have trouble thinking of this because I operate across the web, the magazine, and our live events. So I've always wanted to get Christina Tosi on stage, the founder of Milk Bar. She has kindly served as an under 30 judge uh, for the food and drink list a few times. So I have met her. I've interacted with her. And she she's great at under 30 judging. She's given her time. But I would love to get her on stage at the under 30 
events because that is such an entrepreneurial crowd. She has turned Milk Bar into this phenomenon. They just opened their flagship in New York. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Abe, what's what's the interview that got away for you? I always wanted to interview, she just died recently, Gert Boyle. She was the uh, tough mother of Columbia Sportswear. She took over the company when her husband surprise death. I think she was a very young woman when she did so. She ran the company for a long time. As an older woman, she foiled her own kidnappers. I always, I was always like super impressed by her story. I, I believe that she is the daughter of Holocaust survivors. And it just struck me as one of the better entrepreneurial stories. Especially Sounds for, like a great movie. It Yes, for sure. Let's do On the Trail. Steve, you ran for president. Uh, we are in the middle of presidential primary season here in the States. What is the most surprising thing about being a candidate that most people don't know or think about? Um, the most surprising thing for me, it sounds Pollyannish, was you learn to see the country in a way you never would, either traveling on business or as a tourist or just being among your friends. And uh, two things stand out. One is the diversity of the country, I don't mean in the superficial sense, but in the very different interests that people have, the numerous communities that you have in this country, united but very different communities. Take uh, Iowa and New Hampshire. Iowa's caucuses, first contest, New Hampshire's the first primary. And Iowa, as a general rule, emphasize general because you'll find zillions of exceptions, but in Iowa, Republicans are generally more interested in social issues than economic issues. They matter a okay. lot. New Hampshire, you go there, just the opposite. New Hampshire is one state where in a Republican primary, a pro-choice referendum might win. Huh. They just leave the guns alone, don't tax them, they're fine. Live free or die. And uh, so same party, same country, but two very different sets of interests. Hmm. Let's say that you, Steve Forbes, are going to run again in 2020. If Maggie and I agreed to leave our editorial jobs and come work for you, what roles would you give us on your campaign? Uh, I would have you interview prospective uh, campaign uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> Figure if uh, they could run that gauntlet, uh, they, they, they could probably have the toughness to uh, do, do, do the job. And, uh, but I'm not running because I want to go home at night. <laughs> This is called Friendly Fire. We have spent a lot of this episode... There's no such thing as Friendly Fire. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully this this is friendly. Friendly-ish. Friendly-ish. We've talked about some of your best tips for interviews, what makes for a good conversation, an insightful conversation. We now want to throw all of those rules out the window and ask you as many questions as we can in 30 or 60 seconds or until Abe and I run out of words. All right. Uh, Reva, can you give us a 60-second uh, clock? Okay, Reva's nodding her head. Reva, are you ready? Are you set? Go. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Favorite day of the week? Monday. Chocolate or vanilla? Both. <laughs> Last song you listened to? Rolling Stones, Get No Satisfaction. <laughs> Bourbon or scotch? Uh, obviously scotch. <laughs> Favorite season? Spring. There's hope that the Yankees might yet win a World Series. <laughs> You're an optimist. Red wine or white wine? Red, even though uh, I, I do it because I'm told it's healthy. Now some are saying maybe it's not so healthy. Cake or pie? Cake. Thanksgiving or Christmas? Christmas. Presents. 
Lucky number. Uh, seven. First pet. Dog. Name? Russell. And we're, and out, we're of out of time. Russell, RIP, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you. Thank you. Steve, thank you so much. Steve Forbes is the editor-in-chief of Forbes and has his own podcast here called What's Ahead? And you can find that along with our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You heard Steve talk about Dr. Oz. If you would like to hear Steve's interview with Dr. Oz, please tune into What's Ahead on January 5th and January 12th. He's doing a special two-part series, all with Dr. Oz, all so you can stick to your very healthy New Year's resolutions. Thanks very much for joining us in this very special mini-sode. And we will have another mini-sode for you next week. See you then. Let it snow. Oh, stop. Let it snow. Oh, make it stop. Make it stop. That person telling me to stop is your co-host, Maggie McGrath. I'm your other co-host, Abe Brown. Listed as a Spoke Media production. Seated next to me here is Kieran Meadows and our producer, Reva Goldberg. Our theme song is composed by and performed by Will Short. Our production team is Caroline Hamilton, Tyler Norris, John Yell Kastner, Keith Reynolds at Spoke Media. And thanks to the other residents of Stars Hollow here at Forbes, Travis Collins, Kyle Kramer, Randall Lane, and Dario Furotan. A special thanks goes out to Anna Williams, who's the producer of What's Ahead. She was a big help in making this crossover crossover. Thank you, Anna. Bye. See you next time. Hello. Are you opening for the Moulin Rouge? No, I, I, excuse me. My time on stage has not yet come. <laughs> this is fun. This is not that fun. Hello! Okay, stop.